From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The cause of an outbreak of vaping-related pulmonary injuries is unknown, with more than 800 cases reported. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says there's no evidence that the occurrence of lung disease tied to vaping is declining. With me in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about this mystery illness is lung expert Dr. Leslie Coleman. She's a distinguished service professor of surgery specializing in thoracic surgery at Upstate. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Coleman. Thanks, Amber. I first want to ask you to tell us who's being affected by these lung injuries. Well, there are 805 patients so far as of September 20th, as you stated, and 16 of these people have died of their illness. Two-thirds of them are male, and most of them range between ages 18 to 34, including 125 under age 18. They're generally healthy young people who think they have the flu or a respiratory illness and don't go to seek medical attention for several days after the beginning of symptoms. How do we know that their illness is tied to electronic cigarettes? Well, this is vaping, not necessarily just electronic cigarettes. Vaping in all its multiple formats, including hookahs and homemade devices, uh, black market devices, and so forth. It's a public health association. Almost every one of these people has reported vaping in the recent past. They vape a variety of different products, including marijuana-type products or nicotine-only products or both. And some of them are street drugs that have been formulated in amateur laboratories, and we don't really know what's in them. But almost all of these cases, if you repeatedly take a history and the person um, understands how important it is to reveal the truth, will have a vaping history. So let me ask you to describe for us what these pulmonary injuries are. What does this disease look like? The disease clinically looks like a flu. They start with shortness of breath, cough, often chest pain. They can also have headache, fever, nausea, diarrhea, and if it's gone on a little longer, weight loss. And they also have fatigue. So it's a nonspecific group of symptoms. The chest pain, shortness of breath, and cough are the primary symptoms. And when they get to a medical facility, they are, the medical profession has been urged to get CT scans of the chest on these people, and it shows a diffuse lung injury throughout both lungs. We don't know the exact mechanism of injury. So how soon after vaping do these symptoms start occurring? Well, we're not exactly sure, but it's probably days to weeks. And the people don't come in right away when they start with their symptoms. So 
the exact interval, and we don't know the dose relationship or the interval. Can they get it from vaping once? Probably. Is it more likely to happen if they vape a lot? We don't really know that. So a person shows up at the emergency department and the doctor um, has a CT scan done that shows this diffuse lung injury. What happens after that? Well, there's no specific treatment for this and there's no specific diagnostic test. So it's a diagnosis of presumption. But people age 18 to 34 don't very commonly get an, an injury to their lungs like this. In order to be classified as a vaping-related injury, they have to have a vaping history, and they have to have tests to rule out any kind of bacterial pneumonia or viral pneumonia and any other known infectious causes. If those things are all ruled out, plus some other conditions such as allergic conditions and cardiac conditions, then we presume that it is this vaping-related illness. Now, some people have died from this. So yes. what is what makes them die? Well, it's a severe lung injury, so the lungs are having trouble delivering oxygen to the body because they're very damaged. And some of the people in New York, five people so far in New York, have required a breathing tube and a breathing machine to support their lungs. Now, if somebody gets to that point and there's no specific treatment, it's possible for their lungs to deteriorate so much or a secondary infection um, develop that they can't sustain life because their lungs can't exchange enough oxygen. So it, it's affecting both lungs both when lungs. this happens. Um, is it inside the lung or is it in the airway and in, in the vessels it, well, too? Well, it's out just... in the lung fields, but we don't really know. Wow. Let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Leslie Coleman about the surge in pulmonary injuries and some deaths that have been tied to vaping. Um, can I have you describe for us sort of the difference between smoking a regular cigarette and vaping? What does that do differently? Well, smoking a cigarette is smoke. Vaping is water vapor with other things dissolved in it. We know that there are 834 toxic things or components in cigarette smoke. We have no idea of all the things that are in vaping, and it depends on what you vape. The standard electronic cigarettes that, that are produced commercially and are not meddled with afterwards the main problem with them is they contain a highly addictive substance, nicotine. The marijuana vaping that's obtained in a state like New York, which has medical marijuana in a vaping device, if you use it unaltered from the marijuana dispensary, is probably relatively safe. The Things that are bought on the street, things that are obtained through the internet, which is how underage kids get this stuff, 
the things that have flavors we don't know, the flavor compounds, we know that microwave popcorn inhalation creates a lung disease in the workers that work with that. So there's probably a popcorn flavored e-cigarette. There are hundreds of different flavors. And the things that are made in the street, and a lot of these cartridges are refilled. There are certain brand names that have a variety of different formulations. They're not all the same by any means. So the street and homemade and illicit components could contain any number of highly toxic substances. The nicotine is what's addictive, though, right? The nicotine is what's addictive. And the problem with electronic cigarettes is that kids, and that includes the Juul device, the vaping device, kids... Three-quarters of kids do not believe that they contain nicotine. You can get an electronic cigarette without any nicotine, but nobody does because nobody would really bother. The kids think the flavored products are safer than the tobacco-flavored ones. They do not understand that they are at risk of severe nicotine addiction. One Juul cartridge is the equivalent of two packs of cigarettes in its nicotine delivery, and nicotine in high doses itself is a toxin. It causes fast heartbeat. It causes stimulation of the adrenal glands. Children, small kids, who've gotten a hold of these have had poisoning. And our poison center sees that from time to time. So the unawareness that these contain nicotine is tragic because these kids then become addicted to nicotine without ever having smoked an actual cigarette. But didn't vaping, didn't this start sort of, it was marketed electronic cigarettes as a way to help smokers get off of regular cigarettes? Well... (laughs) That's what they said. It's not been approved by the FDA for that use. The problem is that it's probably slightly more effective than the nicotine substances that you purchase at a drugstore. There are seven different formulations, including an inhaler, It's slightly more effective than that for smokers who use it consistently without any cigarettes for up to a year. However, that's still less than one in four of the smokers who actually quit. And in terms of marketing, the Juul company was just acquired by Altria, which is one of the large tobacco manufacturers. And the Juul Company CEO resigned a few days ago, and they've put in a new CEO. And they put out a letter to their investors and stockholders which says, don't worry, the shakeup about Juul will not affect the profits of this corporation, and we believe that all the commotion about vaping will actually increase cigarette purchases. Interesting. Now, if you want to talk about cynicism, 
there you have it. Very clearly that these companies are not focused on anything but selling nicotine products and getting kids and addicted. Is there such a thing as safe vaping? Are there, is there any way to do it safely? There's not any way to do it without any risk because we do not know the complete risk profile. None of these products have been declared risk-free. We know that cigarettes are still for sale and have extremely high risk. So risk assessment is not very useful as a way of determining these things. Removing the flavors, and in New York now we don't have the sale of flavored tobacco and um, tobacco and nicotine products, does reduce the appeal to young people. But that wasn't done to in response to the lung injuries. That was separate. Well, yeah, we don't. It happened about the same time in New York State, and the FDA also is probably going to announce this soon. Uh, Our problem in New York State is that they did not include menthol in the ban on flavors, and menthol is probably the most utilized flavoring, especially by cigarette smokers and cigarette ex-smokers. And that needs to be included in every flavor ban. Well, this has been very informative. Thank you to Dr. Leslie Coleman. She's a distinguished service professor of surgery specializing in thoracic surgery at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.